Wishing Day by Lauren Miracle. Chapter 7 I wish to be in charge of something so I can boss people around and they'll have to listen. Natasha stayed on high alert for the next several days, waiting for more odd things to happen. When nothing did, she felt curiously let down. Then four days after her encounter with the bird lady, she overheard her aunts talking about her. It was Tuesday morning and Natasha was headed downstairs for breakfast. She froze. But what you don't seem to understand is that I want what's best for her too, Aunt Vera was saying. Natasha was five years old when Clara left. Five years old. Yes, Vera, Annalena said. I was there too. She'd started kindergarten only days before. And afterwards, for weeks, she'd said, why isn't mama taking me? Why can't mama pack my lunch? It broke my heart, Aunt Elena said. Clara broke her heart, Aunt Vera said. There was an edge to her voice. Clara broke everyone's heart. Vera, please, I'm not trying to rewrite history, Aunt Elena said. I just, I don't want you to erase history. The past belongs in the past, Aunt Vera said. I told you that on Natasha's wishing day. I told you nothing good would come of it. How do we know nothing good came of it? How do we know if anything happened at all, since we don't know what she wished for? Elena, leave it alone, Aunt Vera said. Aunt Elena lowered her voice and Natasha strained to hear. Clara never told me her wishes either. Did she tell you? There was silence. The girls used to ask. They asked what our wishes were and what their mother's wishes had been, Aunt Elena said. Not Daria. Yes, even Daria. They adored talking about Wishing Day until they learned not to. Learned not to. Exactly, Aunt Vera said. You say it as if I did something bad, but I did it to help them. Why did you go with us to the top of Willow Hill on Natasha's wishing day? Annalena asked. Because. Well, because. Because one thing we do know is that Clara believed in wishing day magic. Clara wanted the tradition to live on. One moment she did, one moment she didn't, Aunt Vera said. That's how I recall it. And the tradition has lived on, Aunt Elena said. Every girl in Willow Hill knows about it. Every boy, too, I suspect. If we had let Natasha's wishing day simply pass by, what message would that have sent? Enough, Elena, Aunt Vera snapped. Encouraging children to believe in magic does nothing but cause pain. That's not true, isn't it? Natasha hardly touched her dinner last night. She went straight to her room at 8 o'clock but the light under her bed was on until almost 11. She's a teenager, Aunt Elena said. Teenagers are moody. Clara was moody, Aunt Vera challenged. For that matter, Clara's moodiness started right after her wishing day. So there, Natasha frowned. Was she moody like Mama? 
She tromped down the remaining stairs and Aunt Elena smoothly changed the subject. What we need is Kernovina sauce, don't you think? And sour cream, Aunt Vera said. Good morning, Natasha. Aunt Elena's making her pelmini for us. Fried pelmini with Kernovina sauce. Now that's a dinner fit for a cold night. And maybe I'll make honey cookies for dessert, Aunt Elena said. She turned off the stove and moved the eggs from the heat. Your mother made the most delicious honey cookies, Natasha. Natasha took a seat at the table. Feet thumped on the stairs and Ava burst into the kitchen. A whirlwind of messy braids, socks turned into arm warmers, and a shirt of Papa's that she'd modified by bunching up the excess fabric and securing it with a rubber band. Honey cookies, she sang. Did I hear someone say honey cookies? She grinned and twirled. You made at least 25, right, Aunt Elena? If we bring a food item, the rule is it has to be enough for everyone. Aunt Elena's eyes widened. Oh, no, Ava, sweetie. For our unit on family histories, for my presentation. I thought I'd make them tonight for the family. I forgot about your presentation. Ava's smile faltered. You forgot? Not entirely. They were on my mind, clearly. I forgot why I kept thinking about them. That's all. A new noise came from the staircase. The precise clip-clop of Daria's one-inch heels. One inch because that was as high as the aunts allowed. Heels because Daria was Daria and refused to wear snow boots. She thought they were ugly. Uh Uh-oh. No cookies for your presentation, she said. She tightened her ponytail, which hung in a bouncy spiral. Oh, well, guess you're fail. Daria, the ants said. Daria laced her fingers and stretched, straightening her arms and reaching her upturned palms toward the ceiling. She was slender and strong and graceful, the type of girl who would never run smack into a tiny old lady with a bird in her hair who would never believe in a tiny old lady with a bird in her hair. Natasha thought about the conversation she'd overheard and Aunt Elena's claim that even Daria used to adore talking about wishing days. Maybe or maybe not, but that Daria no longer existed. What am I going to do, Ava wailed. My presentation is today. My teacher is going to hate me. Ava, slowed down, said Aunt Vera. It's not the end of the world. Yeah, because I have to bring a cultural artifact. It's the biggest part of the assignment. Fred, Fred Williams had Bulgaria. Fred, Darius said. Who names their kid Fred? And he dressed up as Victor Crumb. He wore a red robe and carried a flag and everything. Daria held open her hands. Who the heck is Victor Crumb, and what does he have to do with anything? He was on the Bulgarian Quidditch team, Natasha exclaimed, from Harry Potter. She turned to Ava, and Ava, you were supposed to help Aunt Elena make the cookies. If you're going to blame anyone, blame yourself. Wait, Daria said. 
if that dude was from Harry Potter, then he's not real. He's made up. Miss Gupta said it was okay, Ava said. Plus, Fred gave facts about the real Bulgaria. As I am not interested in this conversation, I am going to fold laundry, Aunt Vera said, untying her apron and laying it on the counter. I'll help, Aunt Elena said. You scared them away, Daria said. You made them feel like bad parents. They're not parents, Ava said. You could have brought one of them as your artifact. They're Russian, kind of, Daria tisked. But you blew that opportunity, didn't you? And made our dear sweet aunts feel like crap. All in one fell swoop. Ava's eyes widened. Tears welled and threatened to spill over. Daria, Natasha said. What? Daria said. Natasha gave her a look and Daria's smile fell away. Her teasing hadn't been funny. She'd made Ava feel bad. She'd gone too far. All of this played across Daria's face and Natasha sighed. Daria was exasperating, but she wasn't unkind. Not on purpose. Just some of her bids for attention were better than others. Natasha caught the tail of a memory from when Natasha and Daria had been closer. Daria had developed an impressive array of silly voices, and as a second grader, she'd gone through a phase of talking out of the side of her mouth like a truck driver. Her deep belly laugh, coming from such a little girl, had made everyone near her laugh, too. Hey, I know, Daria said. Her tone was no longer glib. She was trying to fix things. If you're allowed to go as someone fake, then dress up as a character from a Russian fairy tale. She slid into her seat and helped herself to some eggs. Like that girl who was banished into the woods and torn to pieces by wild animals, you could be her. Ava scrunched her forehead. How am I supposed to dress up as a girl torn to pieces? Okay, then go as the girl who was eaten by crows, Darius said. What was her name? His name was Prince Ivan, and he was a boy, Natasha said. Is it against the rules for a girl to dress up as a boy, Daria said. She turned towards Ava. If you don't want to be Prince Ivan, you could go as the boy sliced into pieces by his uncle, or the kid who was thrown over a cliff, or the girl who was forced to take a bath in boiling water and whose skin slipped off in long strips. Daria, why would Ava want to dress up as a dead person? Natasha said. Because it would be awesome. Because Russian fairy tales have the most awesome deaths ever. An illustrated collection of Russian fairy tales stood in the bookshelf in the den. It had belonged to Mama when she was younger. And the children in the fairy tales did come to extraordinarily gruesome endings. If anyone ever wrote a fairy tale about Clara and the three little girls, however, it would be the mother who had met the terrible fate. Well, and the daughters, since the daughters were the ones left behind. But Mama, when she'd read the fairy tales to Natasha, had changed the stories any way she wanted. In Mama's version, the children didn't die. The children escaped the crows and ran away from the cruel uncle. 
they only pretended to fall over the cliff. Natasha recalled a story that Daria Hatton mentioned. It was about two maidens who lived in a castle, one with yellow hair and one with black. They were the best of friends and loved each other like sisters. But over time, the black-haired maiden grew jealous of the yellow-haired maiden's grace and beauty. One day, she told the king a lie that the yellow-haired maiden snuck out of the castle every night and danced until dawn with the Demovi, the Russian version of elves. The king was furious. He sliced off the yellow-haired maiden's head, and in the book version, the girl's head stayed sliced off. Too bad, so sad. In Mama's version, the girl was black with black hair, wept with remorse, and scooped up her friend's head, cradling it in her arms. She kissed her friend's cheek, put the head back on the body, and tied it in place with a ribbon. Ava, blow your nose, Natasha said. Daria, eat your breakfast. She scooted back her chair and strode towards the back door. What about my presentation, Ava said. Where are you going? To Papa's workshop. You can bring one of his loots. Natasha grabbed her coat from the closet, buttoning it up as she crunched across the new snow blanketing the yard. Flakes drifted lazily down. She knocked on the door to Papa's workshop. She got no response. So she turned the knob and stepped inside. Papa, she said. He snored and shifted on the battered mattress in the corner of the room. He slept out here more often than he slept in the house. I'm borrowing one of your loots, she said. Ava needs it for a project. Papa stirred in his sleep. Natasha sighed and went to him, pulling up the worn quilt so that it covered his shoulder. She lifted one of the finished loots from the rack by Papa's workbench. The one she picked was made of maple, swirled through with burls. Its soundboard was in the shape of a teardrop, and in the middle of the teardrop, Papa had carved a lattice-covered hole, which on a loop was called a rose. When the strings of the loop were plucked, the rose amplified the resulting sound waves. That's how the music was made. Natasha, Natasha couldn't do it, though, play the loop. Neither could Ava. Neither could Daria. Papa could, though it had been a long time since he had. And Mama used to play the loop. Her slim fingers had danced over the strings, and she sang folk songs from Russia that made four-year-old Natasha dance, or try to, which made Mama and Papa laugh. She carried the lute carefully, balancing it on her upraised knee as she closed the door of Papa's studio. It had stopped snowing, but she shielded the lute with her coat out of habit. Lutes were delicate instruments. Halfway across the yard, she drew up short. There was a stone lying on the snow-packed path between Papa's studio and the house. No, two stones. The bottom stone was large and round and flattish, like a pancake. The second stone sat on top of the pancake stone, 
It was gray, about the size of a plump strawberry. Between the two stones was a creased piece of paper. The wind fluttered its edges, revealing a blur of words. Goosebumps rose on Natasha's skin. She stepped closer and knelt, taking care not to bump the lute. She pulled free the note, which was folded into fourths. On the uppermost side, in neat, precise handwriting, it said, Natasha.